Amen. Maybe seated. Do you have any remember when moments in your life? And, and maybe it goes back to childhood and you remember when something happened. Maybe it was a birthday or maybe it was a Christmas celebration or something like that. Or maybe as an, as an adult you have those remember when moments when like it was your kids. Like remember when the first one learned to walk or first learned to roll over, like what a great moment that was in life. And, and you have these remember when moments. Or maybe it was a vacation that you took, or a trip, you know, like that you had saved up, or like an anniversary trip, and it's like, oh, it was just the best ever, and, and remember when. And, and do you have a remember when moment in your life? Some of you maybe have been sitting out there on Woodward watching the, the dream cruise go by, and maybe that one car has come down the road there, and you're like, oh, I remember when I had that car. I actually drove a 1970, like uh, the, must, the, 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 the Mustang with the big engine, uh, like they had the fastback things. It wasn't that great a car, but I drove one. And, uh, and I also had a Le Mans with a 454 engine in it. I mean, that was a mean car. It got eight miles to the gallon. I never drove it. It just sat in the driveway. But, uh, but you have those remember when moments. Well, last week was a remember when moment for me because if I go back into the last church where I served, especially when I was younger, the second full week of August, every year we packed up all of our teenagers and we went to camp. And we rented out a camp in Saugatuck, Michigan. It was about two hours north of us there in South Bend. And uh, we took about 80 kids um, from our church up there to camp. And we just had these wild, wild weeks of camp. Now, many of us who were serving as camp counselors were related to each other. And so we'd have these competitions going on all week long, and they just got violently wild. And uh, we'd end up with kids in the, in the emergency room, and, and we'd play these crazy games. But I remember when, this one year, our theme was something on a pirate thing. I don't know exactly what it was. But we found these, um, like they were big styrofoam buoys of some sort, like the size of a 55-gallon drum. And we found a whole bunch of these things, and we got a bunch of like super thick cardboard, and we got some, some two-by-fours, and we divided all the teenagers up, and they were in the eight like teams, and they had to build their own raft. And uh, so we were going to have boat races, and, and uh, we were on the, the channel there the, in Saugatuck that goes out to the lake, and as you get right to the end of the channel, there's like a lagoon there. And so we took all the kids down there, and we dumped their pile of supplies there with a few nails and some duct tape and things like that. And it was like, you need to build your boat or your raft or whatever it is, and we're going to have this race. And so for about an hour and a half, we built these boats, and then we got them out there in the middle of this lagoon, and we were having these races. Well, keep in mind, they were made out of cardboard. And so as the races went on, they kind of sank lower and lower and got squishier and whatever else like that. But I remember it was just wild. And by the end, it had all just like disintegrated into this wild free-for-all, and we decided to have um, like chicken fights. So you get your raft, and, and you get your raft, and you would paddle, and there was no oars or anything. You just paddle out to the middle, and uh, then you would try to like throw people off the other raft, and whoever was left standing on their raft, and you know, kids were going under, and fortunately there was no like phones so anybody could videotape this back in the day. And uh, it was just crazy. Nobody drowned. But I just have that, that remember when. And so when I get to last week, I get up in the morning and I walk out on the deck and it just has that feeling where it's starting to turn weather-wise and it feels like camp to me. And I'm like, oh, I just wish I could go back and relive that. 
Well, the story that we're looking at today is a remember when moment, I believe, as this story is told. And it's about a boat. And it's about a boat that Jesus went in. And the good news is they were not playing chicken and nobody sank. But it's a remember when moment for somebody that I think was there, Matthew. See, the Gospels were written about 30 years after the time of Christ. They weren't sitting there writing them down in real time. It wasn't like they were coming home writing in their journal, well, today we did this and writing it down. It was many, many, many years later when, when different people were sitting down and gathering these stories with the help of the Spirit and writing them down. And so Matthew writes down this story from about 30 years before and it's a remember when moment, I think, for him, and maybe in different ways. We'll be a remember when moment, like in a spiritual sense, too, because we're talking about Jesus in this story. So when I ask that question to start with here, do you have a remember when moment? Let me change it just a little bit to say, do you have a remember when moment spiritually? A time that you can go back to. We just revisited one of those with Joellen, a, a remember when moment, when a friend invited her to come to church and when a friend led her to Christ. And maybe you have a remember when moment of when it was when you actually came to Christ. Maybe you have a remember when moment of, of some prayer that was answered. And she talked about uh, cancer and, and being healed of cancer. I, rem I still can picture the night that we got a phone call from a doctor to tell us that my mom's cancer was completely gone. And you maybe have that type of remember when moment. Or maybe it was a revival. And a time where you were just stirred spiritually in your life. And it's like, like it was just you and God. And, and everything else just disappeared out of your life. And, and where you really got serious. Maybe it was a remember one moment where you just took a big, bold step of faith and tried something that was a little bit scary. It's like, I don't know how this is going to work, but you know what? I think this is what God wants me to do. And you stepped out and you did it and it seemed to go okay. And you have that type of re remember when moment. Maybe it was a remember one moment when you were going through a hardship and you never would have made it other than the fact that you just sensed that God was with you so much in that. As you sit there this morning, What's your remember when moment that you go back to? That moment spiritually, what would you say? Well, we've been talking about storyboards, and these are stories that are told in Scripture. And what we're doing is we're setting them up a little bit differently and to say, if we're going to tell these stories as a movie, what would this movie look like? And, and what would the various scenes of this movie look like? Well, this story this morning we're looking at is in Matthew chapter 14. I want to encourage you to go with me there. We're going to read that story this morning. But I want to picture this as we tell the story this morning, and a very familiar story, Jesus walking on the water. But as we tell that story this morning, I want you to picture this. I want you to picture a, a bunch of people sitting on a beach, and there's a fire going there on the beach, and they're, they're gathered around the fire, and, and beside the beach, obviously, there's, there's a lake there. And they're sitting around and telling stories. And maybe this is something that you do uh, when, when you go up north or when you go over to Lake Michigan or whatever. And you sit around and you tell those stories. And, and they're all like Christian friends, though. So as they sit around and tell the story this night, they're telling stories about Jesus. And they're telling their various Jesus stories. And we picture this guy here who's maybe 55, 60 years old. And he starts to tell a story. And he pulls out an old one that, that everybody's heard before. 
But as he tells it, just maybe, and, and we're just, you know, imagining here, just maybe he adds a wrinkle to that story. Well, let's just go ahead and look at the story that he tells here. It's March, or Matthew chapter 22, not Matthew chapter 14, verse number 22. And it says this, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. And this story, as it starts, and as the guy on the beach tells it, just before that, Jesus had fed the 5,000, one of the great miracles of Jesus. He'd fed the 5,000. It had been a wild day, if you can imagine that. Um, just a lot going on and trying to feed 5,000 people. And then the disciples had been involved in that. And then they'd been set out to clean up. And they gathered up their 12 baskets full. And they'd all come back together. And Jesus is like saying to the crowd, you know what? It's, it's time to go home. But there's a reason why he's saying that, actually. And we find that from John's account of this same story. Let me just read that for you. John says this, when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the five barley loaves left over from those who had eaten. And all the people saw the sign Jesus performed and they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. And this next verse is important. Jesus, knowing that they had intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew to a mountain by himself. And so what's actually happening at the end of the feeding of the 5,000, the people are convinced, yes, this is the Messiah. Yes, this is the king. We're going to make him king, and we're going to overthrow Rome. And Jesus is like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not going to happen here. And so he, he hustles the disciples over, sticks them in a boat, and says, get going here, guys. And he himself separates himself from the crowd, and he heads up into a mountain. And do we have the, a storyboard we can show there? And you can see this. Jesus heads up the mountain. All the crowd is going off there. And the disciples, all 12 of them, are about to hop into the boat there. But I think that's always a reminder, or that's a reminder to us that, that Jesus never intended to lead a political movement that would put him in power. His plan has never been to overpower the world. His plan has always been to love the world to redemption through him. And we need to be reminded of that sometimes because we can fall into the trap that, that we can overpower people to Jesus. No, we love people to Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, let's not get off track here. And so he disperses the crowd, and he heads off into the mountain, we assume, for some, some recovery time. And the disciples go and get in the boat. And I don't know what the conversation was as they get in the boat that night, but it's probably pretty interesting. There's probably sitting there, some of them sitting there going, man, I am just dead tired. And others are like, how can you be tired, man? That was awesome. Did you see that? We started out with five loaves and two fish, and we just fed 5,000 people. This is so cool. And there's probably all these different emotions, and they get into the boat, and they start to, to, to sail off. But the supposition here is everything's good. Wow, Jesus just fed all these people. Wow, <laughs> we're like Jesus 12, and we're on the team. And he just put us in a boat. Let's just kind of have a nice sunset cruise here. But their supposition was wrong. And sometimes our supposition is wrong too. Because we have this idea that if I just follow Christ, that's going to take care of all my problems in life. I'll never have another one. It's just, you know, it's easy straight from here on out. It's going to be calm seas from here on out. But that's not what happened in this story. And sometimes we run into conflict and sometimes we run into 
things that go against us. But the truth is that following Jesus may protect you from some problems, and yet it may expose you to other problems. I remember back when I first came here to Waterford, there was a young single mom who trusted Christ. And I remember it was like three months later, I, I said to her, I said, hey, how are you doing? Like, has your life gotten better since like you trusted Christ? And she just looked at me and says, I don't know. It's certainly gotten harder. And sometimes we have this like, well, just follow Jesus and everything's going to be great. It's not going to be great. You're going to have the same kind of problems that other people do. And the fact that you're a Jesus follower is not going to isolate you and it's not going to insulate you from those type of problems. And so they get into the boat. And what do we see happening in verse number 23? Uh, excuse me, uh, verse number 25. Got to get there in my notes. Um, how about verse 24? We're going to find it there. The boat was already... I'm going to back up. Later that night, he was, all, he was there alone praying, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves, because the wind was against us. And it leads us to our next storyboard here. And, and I titled this one, Opposition. So they're out there in the boat, excited about what just happened in that day. And what happens? The storm comes up there. And you see the storm clouds, and you see the lightning, and you see the waves kind of crashing, and you see the wind going against the boat there. And it tells us that in Mark's story, as Mark tells this story, he says that they were actually straining at the oars, which in my story up here, I forgot to give them oars, so they've got even bigger problems. But they are dealing with this huge thing. And I don't know that this story doesn't tell us like they were about to capsize or anything, but it was just like extremely frustrating because they couldn't get anywhere. So they left the shore probably like nine-ish at night. And as the story goes on, we're, we're given the idea that Jesus... And what happens next is like three in the morning. So they've been on this lake, and it's not that big a lake, for hours here. And they're just like getting nowhere, and they're frustrated. And they're facing danger, and they're facing the, 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 the even threats among themselves. Because I don't sense them all sitting there saying, boy, we have a storm here. What do you think we should do? Well, what do you think we should do? I'm sure like, hey, grab a bucket, bail, man. Like, get the sail down, get the oars. And I'm sure there was a lot of tension that was going out there. In that situation. And so they had this problem and they didn't really have a solution. And so they may have railed the road, they may have bailed. There may have been some of them that were actually sick and just leaning over the side of the boat. We don't know. But they're out in the boat getting nowhere fast. But this story doesn't end here, and we know that. And it reminds us of this fact that when we follow Jesus, we may have problems, but those problems will have a purpose. And as we go ahead in this story, we're going to see that this problem that came up was, if not decreed by Jesus, was certainly allowed by Jesus and was used by Jesus for a special purpose in their life. And that's a reminder to all of us. And I appreciated what Joellen said here. It's when we go through problems that the Lord becomes the most real to us. And that's what's about to happen in the story. They've got this huge problem. They're sitting out there in the boat, and it's going crazy. And they're panicked, not realizing they are sitting on the edge of something incredible. Well, it tells us in verse number 25, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Now, they've been out there a while. 
But Mark tells us in his version of this story that Jesus actually saw them from wherever he was up there in that mountain. He'd been praying for them, and he decides to go out to them on the lake. But he'd already sent them in a boat, and I don't know if there weren't any available, but he didn't necessarily need one. So he walks out there to them on the water, and we see this in our next panel here. Jesus walking on this, and I call this one apparition because they think they're seeing a ghost. Now, if you've noticed in this, and sorry, my colors don't come up great here. We've got a guy in blue in the boat. We've got another guy in yellow on the boat, and now we have this apparition. And if you noticed that earlier, that was the same color as Jesus. It's actually Jesus walking out to them, but they don't know that. They've already got problems in like, you know, is this boat going to sink? Is it going to capsize? Uh, how are we going to get to land? And then they look up and they see a ghost coming. And it's like their problems just like doubled. Except it wasn't a ghost. It says here in verse number 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And they cried out in fear. But this is a reminder to us that even though Jesus allows us to go through the storm, he sees us, he comes to us, and he may even do more than that. He may actually reserve, uh, he may actually resolve the storm for us. But the truth to get from this is this. Following Jesus means that you're never going to be alone in the storm. You're never going to be alone in your problem. You're never going to be alone in the difficulty that you're facing. In fact, when we're in those moments, sometimes it's like, oh, I'm looking in a different direction and I see Jesus. Where so many times in life when everything's going good, I'm just kind of looking here and I'm forced sometimes to look in different directions when those problems come. I don't know what your problem is right now. I don't know what the storm is that you're facing, but you are not alone in this storm. And it doesn't tell us that when Jesus was on the mountainside praying that he was praying for his disciples, but I'm going to assume that because we see him do that other places in the Gospels. You ever thought about that? The fact that Jesus prayed for his disciples, he prayed for his followers on earth, that Jesus still prays for us today, and I don't know all the theology of that because I know that he's God and I know that he's in heaven. But Jesus prays for us. Have you ever stop to think about the fact that what you're going through, Jesus might be praying for you to the Father at this moment? It always means a lot to me when somebody says, hey, I'm praying for you. What does it mean to you if Jesus showed up right now in your story and said, hey, I'm praying for you. But not just praying for you. I am coming to you in your storm. Well, Jesus speaks up because they're terrified. In verse number 27, he says, Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. And next is when I think our storytellers, he sits on the beach and is telling this story of, of Jesus in the boat and walking in the water. This is when I think he may insert this wrinkle. And it's maybe something that never has been told before. We don't see it show up in John's account of this story. We don't see it show up in Mark's account of the story. But, but our storyteller here adds this wrinkle. He says in verse number 28, Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. And so Peter speaks up. Peter in the boat here. 
And we'll go ahead and go to the next slide, I think. Well, Peter's already made his decision in this slide. See, the guy in the blue is gone. But Peter is sitting there in that moment, and he's just like Peter does. He kind of blurts out, God, Jesus, if it's you, bid me to come. And Jesus like, it's me. Come on. And I wonder if that moment Peter's like, oh, I, I was just kidding. You know, I was, it was just, you know, it was just me talking, and you didn't need to be listening there. But Jesus is not going to come. And Peter faces this moment of decision, and he decides to step out of the boat. But what I want us to think about here is all the guys who are left in the boat. And by the way, that's not a tree in the middle of the boat. That's a very low cloud hanging over the mast, okay? But there's 11 guys who are left in the boat. And I chose the word for this predisposition. Our default mode as Jesus followers is what? Play it safe. And this is what 11 guys are doing in the boat. They're sitting there, and they're playing it safe. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, come on. And Peter's like, oh, gosh, I really got myself into this. And out he goes out of the boat. But as we hear this story, the focus isn't on Peter so much. Is It's on everybody who sits in the boat. And I wonder if everybody sits in the boat, sits and looks at Peter, and at first is like, what an idiot. Talking again. You say the stupidest stuff, Peter. And then he jumps out of the boat, and you're like, not only do you say the stupidest stuff, you do the stupidest stuff. And then he takes a step or two, and is like, whoa. No way. Like, and, and they turn to each other. Am I seeing what you're seeing? Are you seeing what I'm Is he really walking on water? And I wonder, and we're just wondering here. I'm wondering if there's that moment in the boat when they've played it safe and when they had regrets, where they're looking like, oh, you know, we'd never do that, but, oh, gosh, look what he's getting to do that we're missing out on. And I wonder in our faith stories if there's times when Jesus has come to us, and even as when it's in our problems and in our challenges, and he's saying, come, 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 and we're like, I think I'm good here. This feels a whole lot more safe. This feels a whole lot more comfortable. Um, I mean, I've sat in a boat before. I've never really tried to walk on water before. Anytime I've been on water, it's like, you know, straight down or floating. And it's a reminder to us, though, that following Jesus may preclude us from playing the safe game. I don't think faith was ever supposed to be a safe sport. I don't think it was ever supposed to be a spectator sport either. So we have a lot of guys who are sitting in a boat watching, watching a storm go on, watching their fellow disciple do something incredibly special. But we sometimes need to take that risk. We need to step out in courage. We need to persevere. We need to accept the hardship. We, we need to say, you know what, I'm not going to play the safe game. I, I'm going to do something that makes me uncomfortable. I'm going to do something that's unfamiliar. I'm going to do something that, that stretches me a little bit. I, I'm going to have that conversation with the person at this house where I'm putting up the wallpaper. And we step out of our safe place, and we step into the space where God does incredible things. But he waits for us to do that. 
But when we get to the next storyboard, and I call this one exhibition. This is when Peter exhibits faith, and he steps out. He takes a few steps, and then he notices the storm, and he notices the waves. And as that happens, he begins to sink. And, and the Greek word here is not like, you know, he went into water up to his knees. It's like, boom. And he's like, whoa. He's probably up to water up to his neck, and he's trying to keep there. And he's saying, Lord, save me. We read about in verse number 30, when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and he began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him and then said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? We talked about doubt last week, but if I'm Peter, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Don't talk to me about my little faith. Check out the boat over there. There's 11 of them. But Jesus says, no, you're a little faith. But you know what? Even that little bit of faith may have been more than anybody else in that boat, but that little bit of faith was enough, too. And, and we're, we're so much, and we talked about this last week, so much I have to have enough faith for God. You just need to have, yeah, you do need to have enough faith, but it's not that much. It's just enough to accept the invitation to get out of the boat. And if everything goes wrong when you do that, it's not like Jesus goes, oh, Peter, you didn't have enough faith. Now we have only got 11 disciples. It's like, here, let me help you. And our little bit of faith is always enough for Jesus. And he reaches down and he picks them up. And if you've noticed about every story that we've talked about this week, there's the touch of Jesus, the woman who touches Jesus, and he turns around. But there's that touch and last week, it's, it's the boy, who, uh, and the father who brings the boy, and Jesus reaches down and touches him and stands him up. And here, Jesus reaches down to Peter and stands him up. And in the storms, when we're, when we're going under, and sometimes we do, when we panic, when we lose our faith, and we're like, where are you, God? I can't see you. I can't find you. Have you forgotten me? Have you given up on me? He just reaches down and picks us up. And he stands there. And Peter gets to do something in that moment that nobody else in the boat did. Peter gets to walk on water. And it's a reminder to us that following Jesus often offers us unexpected opportunities. And those opportunities come in weird moments. They come in storms. Sometimes they even come in our failures where Jesus reaches into our stories. Here, let me give you another opportunity. And we're going to talk about what that opportunity is as we go on here. But I remind you of this. We started out this morning saying, let's play the remember when game. We don't have to play the remember when game when it comes to our faith. We can play the suppose if game. Like, I wonder if I do this, what would happen? But, but we don't have to look back on our faith to see the highlights. We look and look forward and say, you know what? There's great things still to come here. We don't just have to go back to the camp days and say, oh, we really saw God move here. We can look ahead to whatever it is that God's got in the future as we go forward. In fact, we could say it this way. Our memories shouldn't be our vision. And sometimes we do that. Oh, if it could just be like, no, how about if... And we don't even know what that is, but we look forward. 
Maybe God has a more daring future in front of you. Maybe God has a more blessed future for you. Maybe God has a more rich future, rewarding future, whatever it is, in front of you than anything you've experienced in the past. You don't need to keep remembering when. That's fine. But you can look forward to as well. And you can realize that the problem or the challenge that you're facing actually may be your chance to experience something new in your faith and something greater in your faith. Well, we keep reading in our story here. As he tells it by the store, uh, the fire, he says, And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. And we see the next one that's up here. That scene right there, and we call that one recognition. They're in the boat, they're bowing down, and they're worshiping Jesus. And interestingly enough, Jesus never says anything to the storm, but the storm just goes completely calm. And interestingly enough, John tells us this, that the boat just immediately arrives on land. They're done. They're completely done with the storm. They're actually completely done with the rowing. And Jesus asks, like, we're on to the next thing here because we have learned what we need to learn in this storm. And the point, the story, tells us this, that opposition can change, the problems can change, the situations can change in a moment. And when we've learned the lesson, then we move on to the next thing. And sometimes that lesson is we learn it slowly. And that's not like God always gets rid of our problems when we you know, figure out the, the, the lesson we're supposed to learn. But there's hope in that, that these problems aren't forever. They're for the moment so that Jesus can use them to teach us something. But what is it that he's teaching us? Who he is. And following Jesus is, provides continuing opportunity to experience Jesus in new ways. And so we come to these situations in life and there's a storm. We come to the situations in life where, where there's a big risk, where Jesus invites us to do something hard or to step out of the boat. And we come to those and we shrink back from them. Say, oh, I, you know, the, the, I don't want to go through this hardship or I don't want to face the unfamiliar or I don't want to put myself out there. Or, I want to do what's uncomfortable. And Jesus is saying this, if you just come, if you just come, you, there's something here, and it's not just the walking on the water. It's experiencing me for who I am. And we forget sometimes that the Jesus that we worship and the Jesus who loves us and who died for us and gave himself for us, that Jesus is the eternal, infinite Jesus. And we're going to spend eternity with him. But one of the, I think, really cool things about eternity and I don't know that it's all broken down into days, but we're going to be continually learning new things about him that we didn't know before. And we're never going to get to the end of him. And that's, I think, what was going on with his disciples. Is like, did you know that he could walk on water? Did you know that? No, I didn't know that either. And, and as they worshiped, though, it's like, what did they learn about Jesus? And the question for us this morning is, what is it that Jesus wants to reveal about himself to you that you maybe have to go through the storm to get to or that you maybe have to take that big risk and take that step of faith to get to? But he's like, if you'll just do that, you're going to experience me in an entirely different way. Well, we've got one more scene of our storyboard as this guy sits around the fire and tells that story. And I call this the metacognition. I thought I'd use that word because I've never used it in a sermon before that I'm ever aware of. But it's the idea 
of where we sit and process something until it becomes a part of our thought patterns and until we start to think in that way. And the metacognition is this. Remember that there was a guy sitting in the boat and pointing him out who was always in yellow? It was Matthew. He was in the boat, and as he sits around the fire, he's our guy. It's Matthew telling the story. And Matthew is telling the story, and it's about Peter, but I think it's also about Matthew. Because Peter, I don't think he tells the story about Peter to, to give him a big, you know, like, you know, shout out that he walked in water or to shame him for the fact that he sank. I think it's that as he watched what Peter did, all of a sudden it dawned on him, hey, that could have been me. And hey, that is Jesus, and I have a relationship with Jesus. And so we picture Matthew sitting on this side of the boat in that original story going, okay, next time there's a storm, maybe I'm not going to panic. Next time there's an invitation, maybe I'm going to take it. Next time, and he starts to see the significance of it. Well, the story wraps up. As Matthew tells it, when they crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret. And the men of that place recognized Jesus. They sent word to all the surrounding country. People brought all their sick to him, and they begged him to just let the sick touch the edge of his cloak. And all who were touched it were healed. But the most important part of this story is probably not the fact that Peter walked on water. Mark left it out. John left it out. And yet Matthew chooses to go there. And as I picture him around the fire and they're telling the Jesus stories, he starts to say, hey, let me tell you about the story that the, the night that Jesus came walking on the water and probably everybody's around the, the fire saying, oh, yeah, Matthew, we've heard that one. We've heard that one. We've heard that one. Everybody's speaking up. And Matthew says, oh, no, no, you haven't heard the whole thing. Because I've never told you one part of this story. You've never heard it even from Peter itself or, or from John. Let me tell you the story about Peter walking on the water and how that changed my perspective. And it leads us to our last point here this morning. It's just following Jesus provides a different perspective on the challenges of life. And so I picture this guy, 55, 60 years old, sitting on the beach with his friends, sitting around the fire, and he tells the story of when he was younger. And he's telling a remember when. And then I picture him standing up from that fire and walking to that lake. And that lake was the same one that he'd been out on 30 years earlier. It was that same one where Jesus had come walking to them on the water. It was that same lake where he saw Peter walking on the water. And maybe in that moment, his faith swelled up in him, and he turned to his friends and said, Anybody want to go for a walk? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we are grateful for the fact that you are the God who doesn't necessarily keep us from problems, but you're the God who sees us in our problems. You're the God who gives us purpose in our problems. You're the God who 
prays for us in our problems. You're the God who comes to us in our problems, and you use those problems to build our faith and to grow our relationship with you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. The first question is, have you ever accepted the invitation from Jesus to come? Not on the water, but just to come with your heart. To admit your sin, to admit your need, to, to admit the fact that you're never going to be good enough. Like Joellen talked about. But that you actually need a Savior, somebody to rescue you from your sins. Just like Peter needed somebody to rescue him from the waves, you need Jesus to rescue you in your life. If you'll reach out to him, he'll do that. If you'll ask him to be your rescuer, your savior, forgive you to come into your life. If you've never done that, you can do that where you sit, a conversation that you have with Jesus. Jesus, I want to follow you and I ask you to forgive me, to save me. I believe that you died for my sins and rose again. I invite you into my life, into my story. And maybe you've done that. Maybe you accepted that first invitation to come, but, but maybe now Jesus is asking you to come again. And maybe there's something in your faith where you've held back because it was scary or unfamiliar or uncomfortable. And maybe you need to say, okay, I'm in, Jesus. I'm not holding back. Or maybe for you, you're in a storm, you're in the boat right now, and it's pretty wild. And you're just assuming that Maybe he doesn't even care. And maybe you need to remind yourself this morning that, yeah, he cares. Remind yourself of the fact that he sees you, that he's even praying for you, possibly. But what decision do you need to make in your relationship with Jesus Christ? I'll give you just a minute where you can have some time alone with him this morning. So Jesus, we thank you for the fact that we never face a storm that's out of your sight, that's out of your control, that's out of your reach. Jesus, we know that there's never an invitation that you give to us to be brave, to take a risk, to show some courage, that you won't be there to help us. Help us to trust you more so that we can experience you in all of your greatness. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me? We'll be back next Sunday, and we will be uh, looking at storyboards again. We've got another story to share with you that you're going to appreciate and enjoy. And uh, want everybody to be a part of that. And uh, don't forget to sign up in our prayer link there in, in the lobby. And then the worship team will sing us out this morning.